This is mission.org. Hey, Marketing Trends fans. This is Ian, host of Marketing Trends and Chief Content Officer here at mission.org. First off, I wanted to thank all of you for subscribing and listening to the podcast. Our goal is to make a show that is helpful for marketing leaders around the world. And we have a fun opportunity to meet the Marketing Trends team in person. We will be podcasting live from Serious Decisions 2019 Summit on May 5th to 8th in Austin, Texas. Thanks to our friends at Salesforce Pardot. And you can nominate a podcast guest. That's right. We are looking for B2B marketing legends to tell their story. You can nominate a teammate or yourself to be a featured guest on the Marketing Trends Podcast if you click on the link in the show notes. Also, make sure to come by the Pardot booth number 402 to win swag and meet the team. And if you can't make it to Austin, don't worry. All of the episodes that we will record will be right here in our Marketing Trends podcast feed and in the marketingtrends.com newsletter. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions, email us at team at marketingtrends.com. Take care. Hello and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. This episode features an interview with John Miller. John is the godfather of account-based marketing. He is the CEO and co-founder of Engageo. Previously, John also founded Marketo and was a VP at Epiphany. On this episode, John talks all about ABM, including most common mistakes and best practices for getting started and gives advice on how more marketers can become successful founders. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in an undisclosed location, San Mateo, California, at Engageo HQ. Special guests, John Miller. John, what's going on? Hey, glad to have you guys here. I'm not sure if we're undisclosed. Yeah. Well, we're hanging out here in downtown San Mateo. Well, we, were before, <laughs> <laughs> we were undisclosed when we first came in here. We didn't tell anyone that we were coming. All right. Um, we told so few people the first time that uh, it was a big secret. Uh, and <laughs> to my right is Lauren Vaccarello. Hey, so excited to be here with one of my favorite, very longtime marketing CEO friends. I thought you were going to say long-winded. I was going to be like, oh, okay. and burn the off the top. Long-winded Ian Faison. Lauren, yeah, Richard, we, we, you were on, a pan, were on a panel like six years ago or something. I had to be even more than that. Yeah. Um, I think I was still at Salesforce when I was on the first panel with you. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if it was like, I think it was like, you know, through ability or some search agency yep. or something like that. But anyway, we've known each other for a long time. Good to uh, good to chat. Yes. So we're going to be talking about all things um, your career. We're going to talk a bunch about Engageo, about ABM. We talked a little bit about ABM on the show, but uh, really want to you know dive super deep into that with you. But first, you were born in Ethiopia. Why was that? Well, I wanted to be close to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's usually good for a laugh. Uh, my dad was in the army. Uh, and so you know, I try to imagine my parents at 23 picking up and moving to Africa. It's kind of you know shocking when you think about it from that perspective. But yeah, so I was born there on an uh, army base, and we was there until I was about three. Oh, I, and then move moved to the states, or did you go to some other uh, Virginia for a year, and then to, out to California? So I actually grew up here in the Bay Area, you know, as far as I remember, which makes me one of the relatively fewer Bay Area natives. Yeah, I grew up in Oakland. So okay, cool. So, yeah, <clears throat> what high school did you go to? Homestead, Cupertino, same same high school as Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. Yeah, no pressure. They were there before my time. <laughs> Wozniak was very generous, though. He gave like a ton of like hardware and, and that to the school. So we were like the first high school that uh, produced the newspaper using kind of desktop publishing. And so, you know, that, that's sort of in you know, my early days. I was like doing graphic design and all that kind of stuff on, on Macs. So... You started Engageo not too long ago, but but a, a pretty um, you know in terms of your career, it's been obviously the thing that's at the forefront. Why is 
ABM so important for uh, for marketers? Well, sure. So you know, for, most people probably know what ABM is, but you know, for just really briefly for anybody who, who's a little bit less familiar, I like to describe it using an analogy. You know, so I would say traditional marketing and the kind of marketing that we did back at Marketo, you know, that's what I would call kind of fishing with a net. You have your campaign, you throw it out there, and people respond. You don't care which specific person responds. You just care kind of, did I catch enough? Um, ABM turns that around, and it's much more like fishing with a spear. You know, it's you're picking who are the big fish that I want to go after, and then you're finding ways to go after them. So in terms of why, why that's better, you know, I mean, well, first of all, th- this is B2B, right? We are selling to businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, no salesperson ever, like, is high-fiving each other about how many leads they closed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> They're talking about how many accounts they closed. And it's sort of been a real disconnect for a long time that marketing was kind of living over in leads, you know, and sales is living over on accounts. You know, anybody who's, who's you know, using Salesforce, like literally marketing is looking at leads and, and sales is looking at accounts. They're literally not on the same page. Yep. You know, so part of ABM is just getting these two groups using the same language focused on the same goals. The other big benefit of it is for a lot of companies who are trying to move up market, sell bigger Bigger deals, higher ACV, better, just better accounts that are more in their ideal customer profile. You know, it just makes sense to go after the ones you want as opposed to kind of seeing who you catch. And I want to go into a lot of like how you've seen best practices occur for building teams around ABM. We'll, we'll do that a little later. But, you know, you're also one of the founders of Marketo and You've had this trajectory early days at a company called Epiphany. So you've kind of seen this marketing landscape change over time. Why do you think ABM, like in this in this transformation, why do you think ABM is is the most like current and relevant thing for B2B marketers now? You know, I mean, yeah. So I've been in marketing technology pretty much my entire career. And, you know, I've seen different generations of, of kind of marketing technology kind of come and go. For me, the, the unifying theme across all of these has really been a passion to kind of help make marketing more meaningful by making it more personalized, more relevant. So, you know, way back to what I was doing at Epiphany, really, I mean, that's just a, was an overly fancy segmentation engine. Yeah. I mean, if you really mm-hmm. dig into what it was, but it was about segmentations, about getting more relevant messages, you know, in front of the customers, you know. We can talk more about you know why Marketo was started and all that, but it took it to the next generation of you know making it more relevant, more personalized, and so on. In many ways, I think ABM is just still uh, the extension of that same same idea. If your goal is to be uh, have your marketing actually connect with the customer, to be meaningful, to be relevant, almost by definition, the more you can personalize that the more you can make it about the, that specific business you're selling to, the better. And ABM, at its core, is about being more relevant, more personalized by being more focused. You can't be personalized and relevant to everybody. You know, so you pick the, the ones that really matter. And do you think the average consumer is really looking for more of that now and is looking for the more personalized message? Well, you said the average consumer. Or the, you know, yes, the average I mean, B2B consumer. Right. So it, you yeah. know, kind of potentially an important distinction. You know, I mean... I think most marketers, sorry, mo- most consumers, you know, B2B or B2C, kind of really try to avoid as much marketing as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a lot of opt out, tune out, toss out. And I think that's because a lot of the marketing going on isn't relevant, isn't useful. You know, as a sidebar, that's why content marketing was kind of so as successful as it is. Yeah. Right. Because it sort of lets people come to the content that they want. Content marketing has all the limitations, though, of it's a net. You mm-hmm. can't point it at kind of the accounts that you want. So I do think that people want stuff that's more meaning- meaningful and relevant, you know, but almost by definition, because they're they're avoiding everything else. Oh, absolutely. And I have a, uh, I, as a marketer, I get lots of, um, Lots of outreach, which I'm sure you get all the time. And it's ever since that, I think it was the the Forrester report that said CMOs spend more money, are going to spend more money than CIOs. The amount of sort of inbound um, emails, phone calls has just gone completely 
through the roof. And I always find the all of the emails that you get or the outreach that is copy and paste, generic outreach from an SDR yeah. is the instant delete. You don't want to pay attention because thank you for copying and pasting this. This is not relevant but to me. But they want 15 minutes of your time. But that's all <laughs> they want is 15 minutes of your time. And they're playing the numbers game of if I send a thousand of these, yep. I'll get three responses back. But wait, do you have time in the next two to three days? Absolutely. <laughs> but that's on Sunday at 3 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, if that works for you. But wait, but but you haven't seen this thing that I have. It's like, amazing. I just want to learn about your pain points. <laughs> But when you have the SDR who actually learns about, whether it's an SDR or through an account-based program, learns about who I am, the company, the business, what actually matters and has something that's relevant, and you spend that extra bit of time, the response rate is completely, completely yep. different. And I think about that so much with account-based marketing, and I love the the net spear analogy because it's you can cast this <clears throat> wide net, but you're not going to catch a lot, and it's going to be opportunistic. Also, fun fact, um, net fishing is not great for the ocean. Yes. A lot of bycatch. A lot of bycatch. A lot of good crap you don't want. And we need to protect our oceans, <laughs> which is another reason why we should think about a campus market. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I get all those same crappy, unpersonalized, generic, you know, outreach messages. I, I don't just hit delete. I actually take a little perverse joy. I hit spam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm making it harder for them to reach anybody else. At the same time, the ITSMA did a study and they found that 75% of executives said that they would respond to an unsolicited marketing outreach if it contains ideas that are relevant to their business. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, that's 75%. First of all, that's a big number. The other interesting thing about that is the higher you are in the organization, the higher the percentage goes up. Because the more senior you are, the more it is your job to be thinking about the discontinuous things that maybe you're not thinking about. So this whole idea of, a, of, of ABM also, it's about reaching high, mm-hmm. you know, and that idea of ideas that are relevant to their business, that to me, that is the same concept as the challenger sale. Yep. Right. It's let me actually teach you something in a way that's tailored to the specific needs of your company. You know, I, I think that that's what you're saying. Something that, that is actually useful and relevant. Yes. You, you can break through the noise by being cutesy. Like if you know that for me, like personally, I like. I like wine, I like, you know, <clears throat> Game of Thrones or whatever the things that you mm-hmm. are, you know about me. You might be able to make some kind of connection, but that's never going to be as powerful as actually bringing commercial insight, you know, uh, if you're trying to reach me. I I don't think it's just you. I think it's executives in general and I know with that sort of buying power of it's nice that you paid attention, but if you can actually make my job better, faster, easier, yep. help me make my company more money, help drive results. That's how I'm going to pay attention. Yep. Actually, so I once had a, a customer who sort of, uh, his mantra was do things that don't scale. Yeah. You know, so like they would mail mail a target person their name made out in Scrabble letters, <laughs> right? And there's you're not adding value to my life by doing that to me, but you're at least signaling to the person like you're a little bit more special because this is obviously something that doesn't scale, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's the cutesy thing, yep. right? You said, "Yep, okay, clearly this isn't doesn't scale because you're taking the time to kind of hit me personally." But the really powerful thing is the commercial insight. Yep. Yeah, I think that that level of personalization shows that throughout their customer journey, you're always going to be thinking about them in a way that is value add. Like that's part of it is just the overall mindset of if the company is has the wherewithal to do these sort of things that you can expect that this is just how we roll. Like this is how we are as a company. We're not the spammy type of people. We're thoughtful. We're engaging. Yep. We're adding value to your to your life. Um, go ahead. Oh, and I mean, so kind of just moving that forward a little bit. You know, this is where I think ABM excels, you know, is is breaking through this noise by being more relevant, but it's so essential for marketing and sales to work together in a different way, you know, than they, than they have before. You know, because it's not, a, it's no longer, it's about marketing just generates something and then, you know, hands it over. It's not a baton pass. It's much more like a soccer team or a football team where like they're kind of working, t- you know, together. And that's what's historically so hard. Yeah, and I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more. And it's the I found I found the best way to get sales and marketing to work together in a lot of ways is having an account based approach because it's not I'm field sales and this is what I'm going after and I have to hit my number and this is what I care about. 
And then marketing sort of on the other side saying, well, for enterprise, I'm going to run these campaigns and yeah. I'm going to do all this. And sales is like, the only thing I care about are these deals. Yeah. Get, me, get me conversations with these people. Yes. And marketing's now, like, here's my broad campaign. Right. But, you know, a, a, any marketer who still is living in a net fishing mindset, who's still thinking about leads, is going to struggle to connect with sales in that way. Yeah. You know, uh, Peter Herbert, who is the CMO of one of our customers, Full, uh, Full Story, has a great quote. He says, you know, it's easier to work in silos. You just don't make as much money. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know, so to me, getting sales and marketing, you know, as I said, on the same page, looking at the same data, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the same accounts, that's account foundation to me. Yeah, and if you don't have that, you're not really able to do ABM. So where does ABM break down? What are some of those things, those, um, I guess it would be worst practices. I was going to say best practices. What are the things that you've seen from, I guess, kind of the before and after snapshot of uh, Engageo customers where they just weren't doing things the right way and couldn't figure out how to do ABM effectively? Yeah. This may be a little controversial, but a big mistake I, I see people making is kind of just going down the advertising path, yeah, and and kind of you know declaring, hey, we're doing ABM because all of a sudden now I'm buying account based ads, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I see that a lot, you know, and I see a lot because there's a lot of vendors who are kind of pushing that as their kind of approach to ABM, and it's easy, mm-hmm. you know, like the ABM I'm talking about, getting sales and marketing working together in alignment, coordinated, it's harder. You know, we're just like, oh, hey, I'm running some ads. You yeah. know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to change any of my processes or anything. But it just doesn't work, right? We're talking about how do I engage with top executives at big strategic accounts? You're not going to do that by running some ads if that's all you're doing. Exactly. And it's the, it almost feels like it's a check the box when it's like, well, I'm running ads. Great. But what else are you doing? And yeah. how else are you engaging? And I wonder if part I, of this is because where people that are doing account-based marketing sit in an organization where the only thing they know is, well, I know ads and I know targeting is important. I know this is how to target. Yeah. And they're sort of sitting in this silo where they never have had to have those sort of really deep conversations with sales leaders on account selection and what are you doing for velocity? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, in some ways, it's still a very net way of thinking. I'll run ads. Maybe they'll come to my site. You know, and they'll uh, catch them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Yes. You know, I, I'm not anti ads. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you've got your account foundation in place and you've got sales and marketing working together, and there's some accounts that you mutually really want to get to that aren't doing engaging the way you want, sure, ads are a perfectly okay way to do something. But I, I when people think that's a place to start or sufficient, I, I see, I think get, I see them get into trouble. And what happens then is six months later. They're talking about their ABM initiative didn't really deliver results, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they're not happy with ABM. And in reality, they're just not happy with ads. Yeah. And, I, and well, I was just going to say, I think, you know, I think part of this too is like, who's buying your product? I forget. I think it was, um, actually, I don't forget. I know exactly who it was. Um, <laughs> uh, ben Horowitz has a great article about distribution. And when you're selling to different groups, like who's the buyer? Like if you're selling an HR software, it's like, yes. You know, the CHRO is probably the one buying with with a group of people, but every single person is a stakeholder in the company because every single person is going to be using that software. So the way in which you market, distribute, and get buy-in for that for that product matters more than, you know, a software tool that, you know, seven of your developers are going to be using. It's just a different type of selling. Have you seen ABM based off of, you know, like target customers? How is how does that change relevant to like who's buying? Well, I think anybody you're selling to, you know, there is a buying team or a buying committee. And whether that is a smaller one or in the HR software example you're talking about, you know, a very broad one, you know, almost by definition, when doing account based marketing, there's multiple people involved. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's the challenge that that a lot of marketers have who are used to thinking in a lead based world. I mean, even to go on a slight tangent for a second. Even the concept of an MQL kind of falls apart, you know. I mean, when you're when you're thinking account based, you know, that's why at Engageo we talk instead about the MQA or the marketing qualified account. If we're going to say this account is quote unquote hot or whatever, you want to see engagement from multiple personas, mm-hmm. you know, and and groups, you know, that kind of you know are prerequisite there. 
I, I think that's a pretty quick win, by the way, for people who are trying to move to an account-based world is to move to an MQA versus an MQL. Yeah. Um, because it gets to that buying, buying team, buying committee concept you're talking about. Uh, the other thing I'll say about that is it, do, it is well-suited to marketing skills, right? I mean, if all we're trying to do is reach one person at that account, sales is pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know how to do that one-to-one really well. Marketing is generally the team that's a little bit better equipped for doing one-to-few you know, or one-to-many. And so back to that soccer team analogy of how do these different groups work together to move the ball down the field, you know, marketing tactics can be useful for touching multiple people. So even at, even after it's an opportunity, right, to the, to, to the point you're making, you're like, okay, great, sales is engaged with three, these three core people, but marketing can support that cycle by marketing to all these other. Or especially folks. after it's an opportunity. And that's what I think is so interesting. There's a great, it's somewhat different, but there's a great story of someone who got funding for their company by sending essentially like their product to a bunch of spouses of the VCs that they were going after and then buying a billboard outside of basically Mm -hmm. like where they were, uh, where their office was. And so by the time that they went into like go try race from this group, every single partner like had had multiple impressions (laughs) on their brand. And it's like that sort of thing. There's the only billboard they bought. It was the only like things that they were doing is they were just focused on that one group of people. But it made it seem like they were always like, man, if they're doing billboard ads, like they must be doing something right. You can do pretty amazing things when you're focused. Exactly. The um, It's funny you mentioned that back years and years ago when I was running marketing at AdRoll, actually both at AdRoll and then when I was running marketing at Salesforce, I remember when I was running marketing at AdRoll, we were doing a launch in APAC and we wanted the um, different ad agencies in Australia to know that we were there, know that we were coming to Sydney. And it turns out all of the agencies were basically set up on this same two blocks and that's where all of their offices were and we had this great idea and it was this really interesting sort of last minute guerrilla marketing of we had this branded camper van and we had a free afternoon with it so we ended up taking the camper van getting branded cupcakes and parking it on the street at lunchtime and park the camper van on the street at lunchtime and use this as a way to actually get physically in front of all of these different agencies and then had a bunch of follow-up after that. But it was the, how do you use things like location? And back when I was at um, Salesforce and we had run a a launch campaign when we first bought one of the, and Salesforce first bought one of the Marketing Cloud products, it was who exactly is the target audience? And the irony is it was also ad agencies. Who exactly is the target audience? And identified we're going after these, you know, 150 ad agencies globally, sort of large and small with this new product offering. And what's really interesting, it's not just Sydney where they sort of congregate in one place. It's ad agencies in most cities are all in roughly the same area. So it was this great combination of really clear target audience across sales and marketing. And that was the time where it was the physical billboard, physical outdoor ads combined with sort of all of the other sales outreach, sales training, sort of digital enablement. And experiential. And experiential. Cupcakes. Yeah. The cupcakes so, are great. Yeah. But I have two thoughts when I hear stories yeah. like that. The first, like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, the other thought yeah. I have, which I think a lot of marketers have, is like, how do you take that creativity and scale it out? Yes. Yeah. And one process I've seen that works really well is something that, for lack of a better name, we call the ABM stand-up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and all that is is you get the account marketer, mm-hmm. you know, in a room with the sales rep, and ideally an SDR if if there's a SDR supporting them. Don't have other people there. Don't have the sales manager or mm-hmm. other AEs. And you know, let's just say you're meeting once every two weeks, and you're just let's talk about the accounts. You know, and it's the AE sharing some information with the marketer like, oh, hey, you know, they have a new CMO or I'm trying to do this, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And it's the marketer sharing some information like, hey, did you know that, you know, the VP and the senior director from this account both are signed up for this event next week? Right. That's and it's kind of that mutual mm-hmm. information sharing. It doesn't sound like rocket science, but it's it's when you start getting these conversations going is when I see the creative sparks you just talked about yeah. happening. Because you're like, oh, we have these all these different ad agencies we're trying to get into. You know, oh, they're actually all on the same street. 
a good marketer at that point can be like, hey, we can do this thing. Exactly. And it goes the, oh, wait a second. We're all on the same street. Let's yeah. go take advantage of this. And it's where you get those little sparks of brilliance yeah. and insight that turn so into that something. So that EBM stand-up is, is actually, I think, one of the most important processes that I've seen to kind of systematize that. Yeah. You know, and again, it's 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 not hard if you can get the teams to actually do this. Yep. You know, just every two weeks, talk about the accounts. And I I think that <laughs> goes back and so much to kind of building an account based culture within an organization because you want both sales and marketing to go to that meeting and go, no, this my ABM stand up is one of the most important meetings I go to every two weeks. Yep. Versus insert eye roll, I've got to go sit with this person another, and I feel like I'm obligated to do this and how you have this culture of, no, we are on an account-based approach. It's not marketing doing marketing thing, sales doing sales thing. We find a lot of value in doing this. Yep. And then a good marketing leader is going to take those best practices across like, hey, what did you guys talk about? What did you all talk about? And then take those best practices and share them across the marketing team so that, hey, they can drop these into all of your A's, like, hey, whether it's geographic or whatever. What are some other of those kind of like misunderstandings and, and best practices that people have about ABM or ways they're, ways they're doing it right or ways they're doing it wrong? I think another big category is, you know, really is does come around the metrics, you know, and the way people are kind of looking at success. Yeah. You know. It, again, it sounds kind of obvious, but but a wrong way to do ABM is to embark on this journey, but use the same metrics you've always used. You mm-hmm. know, almost by definition, if you're used to measuring marketing by counting things, it's going to look like you're failing. You know, because as you focus more resource onto f- fewer accounts but of higher quality, you know, your counts of things will likely go down, not up. And if the rest of the company is used to measuring marketing by counting, it's it, it's going to look bad, right? You're going to have a hard time justifying why you're doing this ABM thing. You can't just slap it on the funnel slide, right? You're yeah. just like, oh, well, this is how the top of the funnel looks, and these are the leads going in, and this is whatever. Makes how sense. do you visually, how should people be like showing that ABM uh, engagement? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the most fundamental problems that, you know, I was facing back when I was trying to do ABM at Marketo, which is part of what led me to start Engageo. You know, we we like to talk about engagement as the right proxy here. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if 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 you know the accounts that you care about, and you can show that those accounts are spending more time with you, you know, the right people from those accounts are more engaged with you. That's a win. Mm-hmm. In many ways, it's a more impactful win than just counting stuff. That is a change. You know, and so I think you're looking for best practices. A best practice is kind of upfront, you know, set the organizational expectations. You know, a quarter from now, we will believe we're being successful with ABM, you know, if at least 80% of the accounts that we care about are, have this level of engagement, for example. Yeah. And that would be like, you know, something where I think a lot of sales reps go down the road of, like no, this is this is a ninety percent opportunity. Like the CRO loves me, they love this stuff. This is great, and it's like yeah, but the CFO has never once engaged on this, and they're gonna have to buy off on this decision. And like they've never even been to our website. Like I promise you, they they don't know, yeah. or you know, yeah. I could pretty pretty well tell that they they just that person doesn't know who we are and that they're not sharing information yeah, yeah. internally, for example. We actually, you know, in our product, one of the things that we show is the heat map of the account. Yep. And so a rep can look at, or a rep's manager can mm-hmm. look at all their accounts that have open opportunities, you know, and where is their heat by persona. And it's pretty easy to see. Uh, are you really going to close this one and this one <laughs> and this one when you're not getting any, when there's no heat from these different folks? It's kind of a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. I could talk a lot more about metrics, but, but, High level is you got to get your metrics changed to use engagement. No, I I think that's really, really smart. And I think a really similar sort of analogy with the counting piece is just going back to the SDR example. If you're measuring SDRs based on, well, how many solely on how many calls are you making, how many emails are you sending? Well, that's what you'll get is a lot of calls and a lot of emails. You get a lot of calls (laughs) and a lot of emails. (laughs) With that said, you should have some sort of floor of, 
It's not about number of calls and emails, but please pick up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and that's like one of those classic scenarios. Like, would you rather have, you know, a thousand emails or would you rather make one amazing piece of content that you just ensure that they that they engage with? And you all have created an amazing piece of content, the clear and complete guide to account based marketing, 172 pages, a tome. Penguin Books would have picked it up. You know, it's the right length. This is one of the most thorough pieces of of marketing collateral that I've seen. What was the impetus for this and, and why is this so important? Well, you know, I I love teaching. You know, it's probably the 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 shortest way to you know answer it. And I think that teaching is is the best way that I know of to build a B2B brand. Mm-hmm. You know, you can spend lots of money to build a brand, but if you can be seen as a thought leader and an expert. That uh, that goes a really really long way. Frankly, it's a, it's a playbook I pulled from Marketo. I wrote personally four of Marketo's definitive guides, and those were the top marketing and performing assets that you know that we had. So when we're we're here at Engageo, you know, I debated calling it the definitive guide to account based marketing, but I decided to, you know, let Marketo have have that branding, and we went for <laughs> the clear and complete guide instead. And and then I, I originally wrote it uh, when we were in the first year of the business. So almost four years ago, uh, and it was extraordinarily successful. But ABM changes a lot, mm-hmm. and it's changed a lot in the last four years. That's why we, you know, just a couple months ago published the second edition, which was greatly expanded, as, as yeah. you said, with with lots of new best practices. And I I couldn't agree with you more on. First of all, I love teaching as well, which is sort of why I do this podcast and talking to other amazing, intelligent mm-hmm. people. But it's what I hate is this idea of sort of hand wavy thought leadership where everyone wants to be a thought leader and that's thrown around so much. But when you put out such sort of rich content that is not about hand-wavy thought leadership, so what is, and it has no meat, versus this is a new industry, a new category. This is, everyone is still learning and this industry and category is changing over time. You have the opportunity to take the level of expertise you have and make an entire generation of marketers smarter and better at what we do so that we only become more and more effective. And I I think building these definitive guides or complete guides are such good ways not only to help your brand and help build your brand, but also sort of help marketers as a whole. Yep. And, you know, if I toot our own horn a little bit, you know, Marketo eventually did publish a definitive guide to ABM. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put our book against theirs any day. It's less definitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the thought leader stuff is is totally true. It's part of the reason like we try to get extremely thorough on this podcast and bring on thought leaders that are working on different stuff. But it reminds me that Ronnie, the great Ronnie Coleman once said, uh, everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift no heavy ass weight. Um, <laughs> but like that's part of it, right? Is like if you're going to do the work, do the work and come out with, you know, 172 pages. And I think – Part of the thing is, like, I don't know, you know, if you could share this stuff, but how many people read the whole thing versus how many people, you know, just bookmark it on their computer and say, hey, I'm going to come back and thumb through this when I need it. I'm going to use this resource, like, as we're going. And I think that that's the thing that's so exciting is that this thing is ultimately a living document because you're going to continue updating it, but also it's a resource that that continues to to grow. Yep. Well, also there's a there's an art that I've learned having done many of these now to writing these things in a way that is um, skimmable. Like you have yep. to know mm-hmm. how people are going to engage with the content. You know, and I think where most ebooks fail, where frankly, where a lot of companies have tried to copy the definitive guide model and come out with these things, and what they all they've really done is they've written long white papers. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and that it's a very, you know, writing one of these guides properly, all the way down to like the pagination and where do you put the page breaks and all that. There, there, there's an art to doing it well, uh, because exactly as you say, you know, most people either digitally or in their hands, you can kind of see they like kind of flip through, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's that's part of the art. I want to get into and we could definitely do uh, we do a whole nother podcast just on ABM metrics. But I wanted to get into some of the kind of just general marketing advice and and stuff from your career. You had the opportunity to work at Epiphany with Steve Blank, who wrote Four Steps to the Epiphany and is kind of the grandfather of, uh, or the godfather, Silicon Valley godfather, and the entire kind of like lean startup uh, methodology that Eric Ries eventually wrote Lean Startup about. 
Um, what was it like working with Steve and what were some of the things that you kind of take with you as a founder and CEO today? Well, you know, at the, at the time, I thought Steve's superpower was he really was able to create a persona for the company that was much bigger than the company. And, you know, that's, you know, using a lot of things we already talked about, thought leadership kind of, and so on. So that was the biggest takeaway that I've kind of pulled forward. Yeah. And something that I think I've uh, tried to do and arguably have succeeded with at both Marketo and now at Engageo, that kind of bigger than life persona to the company. Is that why it's a whale? Uh, no, it's a whale because, you know, we're going after the big fish. <laughs> um, but not, not a bad, bad example either on that either. Whales are mammals. Yeah. What's that? Whales are mammals. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> going after the big sea life. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I really liked marine ocean. biology as a child. So. Well, I, I, yeah, you know, and I'll say we're not advocating anybody kills whales or, you know. We're, no, you're going like after to see them. We're going whale watching. <laughs> with spears. <laughs> <laughs> very, very large spears. Yeah. Spears with food on them with, with krill. Um what about your time in Marketo? What was one of the things that, you know, obviously you left to to create Engageo with this kind of idea that ABM could be its own own company. When you were leaving or when you were creating Engageo, did you get any resistance or any kind of like low moments where people were like, this is not its own thing. This is not a niche within that should have its own company. Or did you kind of see, did you kind of just show people light? With resistance from Marketo people or from no, just from anyone, the, the public, the just yeah, the industry of like how is this? This is just like one of the parts of marketing. This isn't its own. It, you can't create a company around this. The honest truth is, you know, when I left Marketo to start Engageo, I had a lot of credibility, and probably people were going to believe anything I was going to do. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> you know, investors certainly thought so, and I was able to raise a lot of money and use that to kind of create some noise, you know, in the market. Uh, so for better or worse, I didn't get that skepticism, but that's probably just because of who I am and what I've done. Yeah, totally. You know, I think you ask an interesting question, right? I mean, as ABM which matures, what's going to happen? You know, and, and you know, are marketers going to want to buy multiple point solutions? Are they going to want to buy a single platform? You know, what's going to happen with you know, kind of the marketing automation platforms, you know, and so on. You know, I think that the if there's any takeaway I have from all that, it's that we got to remember that ABM is not a technology. Yep. ABM is a business process. Mm-hmm. Just like demand generation is a business process. We know there are many technology categories that support the demand gen business process. I believe we will also see many, many technology categories, not one, that supports the ABM process and what that means for the underlying marketing automation platform, you know, is going to be interesting to watch, you know, is there, you know, going to be an evolution to an account-based marketing automation platform? Will Pardot and the other current uh, marketing automation platforms evolve? You know, that's, I think probably the part that I'm sort of most interested to watch. And I think technology is a huge part of that. I mean, we were talking to a company in, in our IT podcast about, AI and how they're like, AI is going to be in everything. Like we're an AI company. AI is going to be in everything. It's not like, it's not like one technology that is, that is going to be, it's going to be everywhere. What technologies are you excited about? Things like, you know, AI and machine learning and stuff like that. What are you really excited that marketers will finally have in their toolkit? Well, I think one thing that's pretty hot right now in, in the B2B space is intent data. Just the whole idea. Well, you know, a lot of the demand generation world kind of existed on, you know, the ability to kind of grab this first part, these first party engagement signals to identify kind of who's hot and who's not. And that's something that Engageo, like we're extraordinarily good at today, you know, with an account based lens of that. But there is also all that third party engagement data, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening on not on your site, you know, and I think that it's exciting to sort of think about how can we ultimately build a single integrated view of who's hot, who's interested, you know, who's buying, that combines the first party stuff that's happening in your properties with the third party pieces. It's related, I think, to another trend that I'm excited about, and this is where I'm just showing off my nerdy geekiness, is the whole just concept of the customer data platform. I, I do believe that if you want to get this stuff to work, if you want marketing and sales to be on the same page, you got to have everybody looking at the same data, which means bringing all that data together. And whether, you know, 
whether you call it a customer data platform or, or whatever you call it, you know, I just think that, you know, the unification of all this data is an important trend. So we've had a few founders slash CMOs. It's not a lot out there, but they yeah. are out there. What do you think about the future for marketers slash founders? Do you think that there's a world where this increases, decreases, stays the same? I think it depends a lot on how somebody got into marketing. To, I think as a founder, you know, there's a reason why you see more founders with product backgrounds than anything else. You know, because achieving that early product market fit is basically the, the main thing that matters. Yeah. I think the second most common category of founders you see, as well as CEOs, comes from a sales background. You know, because in the early days, like you're selling, you're selling the company to fundraise, you're selling the first set of customers, you know, and so on. And then the market creation stuff is probably the third. You know, so I think, you know, I came to the marketing world from a product background. So I think that helps me, you know, as a founder to kind of have a little bit of experience kind of in both those both sides of things. I think a, a pure marketer, you know, who's kind of grew up, especially if they grew up on like the branding and, you know, creative side, I, I think you don't see as many of those people as founders, you know, because that product background is, is so important. Do you think that for our listeners who are kind of out there looking for that type of experience. I know that like, you know, it's taboos. You're not supposed to like want to be an entrepreneur, even though that's like ridiculous. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's okay I, to want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a whole tangent on this. I think the like entrepreneur being a bad thing is like, how else do you learn if you, if this is a fit for you? What would be your advice? How do you hone those skills as a marketer, especially like for folks or for our listeners that are in the brand world, where yeah. I know we've got feedback from from listeners that are like, I love hearing this stuff because I'm so far into brand. Like, I don't have a ton of analytics. I don't have a lot of this stuff, and I'd yeah, love yeah. to learn more. How would you kind of hone those skill sets? Specifically, like, A, if you want to be a CMO, but also B, um, if you want to be a founder. Well, I think there would be separate answers. I think if, to be a founder, uh, as I said, if you're kind of, you know, coming from a marketing background, you're, I think your easiest path is getting more connected with sales. You know, and just, I think the more you can learn about the process of selling, whether again, well, it's selling the product or selling the company, I think those are important skills to develop if you kind of want to be an entrepreneur. On terms of the product side of things, you know, if, if I were a marketer who kind of wanted to kind of go do this, I think there's just like, there's a product curiosity yeah. that I think you can develop, you know, it's like just making sure you're always like, what is the new app and what is this kind of new thing? And, you know, let me just figure this out what it is and kind of play with it and kind of starting to just build that sense of what is the best practice around product. And but, I think just being empathetic, I think that that's like the best marketers are the ones who can actually think like their customers. And if you're that side of the business, especially as a founder or as a business person, yeah. like, you're always going to have value. Yeah, that's actually a great point. One I probably should have thought of. You know, <laughs> um, marketers are good at customer research and understanding the customer. You know, and that's an important part of finding product market fit. So, you know, I think the more you can make sure you you uh, have those skills, that's important too. Let's get into some lightning round. Oh, I love Let's lightning round. Do some lightning round questions. questions, fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. First question, lightning round. What app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? That's the most fun? Yeah. Uh, I've been playing Clash of Clans for about five and a half years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my, my, my guilty pleasure app. Wonderful. Uh, so opposite end, what is the favorite book you've read recently? Brandon on our team uh, was, was really promoting a book called uh, Turn the Ship Around. Okay. Which I think is, was one that we've definitely kind of you know, used and adopted here at Engageo. It's written by a uh, Navy submarine captain, and it kind of tells the story of how he really brought empowerment, you know, into what was previously a very command and control hierarchical structure. Oh, that's great. Is there, there's like a YouTube video, I think, for this? Uh, Could be. Yeah, I I think I've seen this where where he's asking his... um, it's like basically just like empowering people, like what would you do sort of thing? Anyways. The exact summary of the whole thing is instead of, you know, he, let's say that for some reason they need to like change the direction of the ship, right? He doesn't want somebody to come to him and say, hey, captain, is all right if I turn the ship around? 
He wants people to come to him and say, Captain, I intend to turn the ship around. Here's why. Yeah, no, this, there's a great <laughs> YouTube video. We'll try to find it and link it up in the show notes nice. um, where, where he's like giving a talk and explains this. I've, I've read this. It's a great book. What's your favorite or the best campaign that you've ever run? Well, probably the Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Marketing. Not to exaggerate, you know, it works really well. You know, that, that kind of meaty thought leadership content you know, it teaches, it creates demand, it builds brand, it does all sorts of wonderful things. And it's a great way to really help sort of <clears throat> define and scope a category yeah. that is sort of in process of being developed right now. It's yeah. Just to press that for one more yeah. second, I mean, Engageo is not that old a company. Yep. Right. And I think, you know, arguably most people would say that, yeah, when you think of who are the leaders in ABM, the top companies, we're on that short list. Mm-hmm. And how did we get there? We got there through that content. Awesome. What about what was your worst campaign you've ever run? You know, I, so, you know, I think an example of a, of a really bad campaign is one when we, as marketers, we sort of came up with, you know, what we thought would be a good set of accounts to go after, you know, and then we put together, you know, kind of what we thought was a pretty creative campaign and we sort of mailed it to all them and kind of waited for all the meetings to start coming in, which, you know, not surprisingly, actually people responded because it was a cool offer. We got meetings and then we went to give them to sales and sales like, what is this? I don't, I'm not interested in this account. Because <laughs> we didn't do the most important step up front, which is actually align with sales about, well, which are the accounts that we actually mutually want to go after. That, you know. that, is, that is a good one. And it's a good lesson for everybody of, Jess, you got to do the upfront work. Yeah. And actually, this is not, th- I'm going to make this a lightning round question. What do you think is the most important thing to start with when kicking off your ABM program? So I'll give three uh, things that I think are, are, are all important. I mean, we've talked about two of them already. So I think the first is you can't do ABM if marketing sales are looking at different data. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to get that kind of single view of the account, account foundation. Then number two enables the ABM standup. Mm-hmm. Right? Once you're looking at the same data, just put that process in place. Let's talk about the accounts. And I think magic will ensue. The third if is, you know, because most people don't want to wait a year before you start seeing pipeline, you know, the sort of lowest hanging campaign usually is some form of, you know, all right, here's the accounts we want to go after. Let's direct mail them something and have SDRs follow up, mm-hmm. you know, which isn't rocket science. But if you get the messaging right and you can customize the package, you know, to each account, it can really deliver uh, meetings pretty fast. Follow-up question on this, which is not very lightning-y, but we had, <laughs> uh, when we were talking to um, Chris Bondi, the CMO of Bitnami, she was saying that they ha- she has her team split the band, and you might not necessarily like subscribe to using band anymore, but I thought that was a pretty interesting idea to like split attribution. Have you seen anything like that work pretty well? When you say split the band, I mean, I mean one of the things, you know, what I assume that means is that it's marketing's job to make sure that to get a meeting where there is the right person, the authority, and there's the need. But it's sales job to make sure that there's budget allocated and a project with a certain timing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I, would have, I, I thought that meant. You know, I, I think that is an interesting mindset that is very relevant for ABM and is not relevant in net phishing, where a salesperson's, you know, most people say a salesperson's job starts when there's banned. You know, like, okay, there's a project, I'm talking to the right person, let me sell. This other version is it's the salesperson's first job is to sell the need to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So if marketing can get you in a meeting with that right person at that right company, you got to convince them that there, there's a project to be you had there. So I do think it's pretty relevant. Follow-up question to that. Who is going to end up on the throne in Game of Thrones at the end of the season? Uh, I'm going to go with Jon Snow. I, I like this. Can I can I tell you my theory? Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is what I want to happen. That's not a theory. That's what you want. It's to what happen. I want to happen, but it's my theory all rolled into one. Um even though even though she's his aunt, which is a little, you know, weird, I want Jon Snow and the Khaleesi uh, to rule the seven uh, kingdoms together. Yeah, all right. I can buy that one. Like they because then it really is the major houses together and you've got the Starks, you have the Targaryen, but you don't have the Baratheon. Okay, but it's whatever. This is my theory, and this is what I want to happen. So it's already been written and recorded, but this is what I would like to happen. Yeah, that's right. It is written. You're good to go. Ooh. Or Arya Stark could 
the Robert Baratheon's bastard son who disappeared in season two, who had a thing for Arya Stark before she went all murdery. Hey, he's coming back. He's coming back, and the two of them rule together. Go. So when does this podcast uh, publish? Are we? Will everybody know by the time they're hearing this? We might. We might. Uh, well, it won't be over. The season won't be. No, no, because that's six weeks out. So I guess we're we're recording this so right before uh, the Sunday. This Sunday is the launch, but so we'll probably be like halfway through. Yeah, and All people right. will sit here going, "But that person's already dead." I know. I hope none of those people we just mentioned <laughs> Me are dead. Too. Um, all right, that's it for the lightning round. And any other final thoughts before we get out of here? You know, any stuff to play? Obviously, like please, everyone, go check out the. Uh, clear and complete guide to account-based marketing because it's awesome and it'll help you. Any other stuff that uh, Engageo's got going on? Uh, yeah, we're, let's see, in timing of this, you know, so we'll be at Serious Decisions. Uh, oh, so will we. we? We'll do another episode. I'm happy to hang out there in Austin. Um, come find me or us there uh, if anybody wants to connect. And if you ever want to track me down, uh, you can find me on the web at johnmiller.com. And we will follow along with Engageo. Maybe we'll, we'll have a quick stop in at, because uh, we're going to have a booth there with the, we're going to be doing live podcast casting for serious decisions that'd be fun awesome thanks sean appreciate it thanks thanks for listening to this episode of marketing trends marketing trends is brought to you by salesforce pardot world-class b2b marketers use pardot to generate and nurture leads close more deals and maximize roi at every stage of the sales cycle Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.